Welcome back to the F1 Files. I am your host, Corey Willis, and with me is... John Lapore. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Ah, doing fantastic. I am still jet setting around the world. Um, I, I will not around the world, but just around the Yeah, European. where 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 are you this week, <laughs> Carmen San Diego? Uh... Yeah, yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm following the uh <laughs> making my way closer to the front, I guess. Uh, uh we we could say. Um yeah, uh, I do apologize for the sound quality uh, because we're doing a remote thing. But yeah, uh, that's all we'll say about that. Um, I am currently in Paris. I am in the 11th arrondissement uh, Ooh, <laughs> here la in la. Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is and nice here. It is a gorgeous winter in Paris, which I've never experienced before and hope to experience many more times. Um yeah, if, if if at all possible. But uh, how about you? How are you doing? Where, where are you at, Johnny? I am in the wildly uh, exotic location known as New Jersey. Ah, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> the, newest, the newest of the jerseys holding it down yeah. over here. Uh, so we've had a... Uh, it's been... Even, even though this is the lull of the preseason... Uh, or the off season, this was a pretty eventful week. Uh, what, did, oh. what did we have going on this week, Corey? Well, we uh, we kicked off testing. This is the the beginning bit of winter testing. We had our cars roll out in Barcelona, and there may uh, have been some uh, some sneakiness afoot um, uh, by uh, our last uh, team to to reveal itself, uh, which was um, which was pretty cool, I'd say. Uh, actually, I guess the last teams uh, plural because there were two sneaky little devils in there uh who who showed who showed their true colors uh quite literally um in the past like 24 hours really uh with alfa romeo showing their new livery they had that like digi camo action happening before uh but they they showed off what they've got going on now including some painted wheel covers which are just like Mm-hmm. really going mm-hmm. for it um just fully uh fully what is this like i guess this is like uh almost like tokyo drift um uh this is like the tokyo drift liveries <laughs> um, they're all really interesting with with a bunch of weird pops of color uh, and some being quite traditional um but yeah they they they, they came out to show themselves and the red bull and- ooh, red bull showed itself too yeah. So, so what was, what for you was most surprising or unexpected in comparison? Cause we saw, we've seen almost all the cars up to this point yeah. in these mega cringy, what web streamed reveal oh. events that they put on and everything's overproduced. And we're always talking about, there's some degree to which these cars are, you know, uh, head fake, uh, designs and and yeah. trying not to show off any of the real stuff and I and I thought I think one of the things that you're alluding to is that at testing the Alfa Romeo team showed up in a car they their their intentional reveal of the car was after testing and the car that they showed up with was in this crazy camo digi camo uh, or I would even say uh, are you familiar with the the concept of like dazzle camo um, uh, no, no. What, uh, what's, what's so, all right. So, so like, this is what we see when people are trying to hide, you know, the design of the car, these contrasty blocky, hot, uh, black and white, really complex patterns that are meant to sort of trick the eye. It ends up looking almost like one of those crazy magic eye puzzles or, or whatnot. And we see it, you know, we've seen it in the past with F1 cars. We see it a lot with, um, manufacturers, road cars, right. When they're out testing. Yeah. Whenever you see the, the like leaked footage of a new car that hasn't been released yet, they do have those like weird camo designs. And uh, so that's dazzle camo. I didn't, didn't so, realize so, it had such a corny name, but I guess well, a well, corny name for a cool concept. Yeah. So, so the, where the name comes from uh, and the whole concept comes from actually uh, in, I believe it was world war two, 
uh, battleships would be painted with these insane black and white stripes in crazy geometric patterns all over the entire exterior of the ship. And it wasn't, it wasn't that common. I think it was sort of an experimental thing that uh, a few militaries were playing with, but the idea was that when the ship would be on the distant horizon and be a tiny little speck, it would make it that much harder to tell if it was a shimmer in the water or a dazzle of reflection across the surface of the water, or if it was the actual, the actual ship. And it gave them, you know, maybe 10 miles of, of advance, you know, before they'd be visible to their, to their enemies. Um, So I, I, with the, with the alpha um, certainly, you know, the intent would appear to be trying to hide some clever, concepts or ideas that they don't want their opponents to immediately uh, steal and and start appropriating. Um, Did you have a sense of any particular components? I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I mean, I was, it it worked on me. The the dazzle camo, I I was looking at it and trying to cross my eyes to see if a sailboat would appear, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. um, Trying to like uh, take like one step back and being like, nope, still don't see any uh, louvers on those side pods. Oh, take another step back. And it's like, oh, I think I see some slots there. I think I see like that weird divot that, uh, that Ferrari and Haas kind of have on the side pods that revealed itself after they showed the new livery. It was like, oh, wow. I didn't, didn't recognize that. Um, but I mean, this is one of those things that felt like it was a bit of a, a false start for Alfa Romeo because they had so many issues during testing, uh, which is, yeah. it's really a shame because I, I think Valtteri deserves to be in uh, a phenomenal car. I mean, he's proved himself as one of the best, if not the best driver uh, during many sessions uh, over the past few years. He's shown so much progress. And then just to have the, the car not show up with him uh, must have been like a, a really deflating situation for him because he does thrive when he has the best uh, work, you know, when he has the best work around him, when he has the best luck around him, he tends to thrive. And it just seems as though Alfa Romeo, whether that's the luck he kind of dragged with him from Mercedes over the past couple of years, uh, which I, I don't think it is, but uh, it's it's kind of tough to to not look at that and go, uh oh, um, but but also. Uh, it, it sucks for for Joe. I mean, uh, Guan Yu Joe has this is his like debut in, in F1. So just the, the chance for a Chinese driver to be on the grid and to show up at testing and to really, you know, show up and prove that he deserves a space uh, on, on that grid. Uh, a lot of people are kind of criticizing him because he isn't, you know, he's a Chinese national driver. So they're kind of putting someone on the grid to influence that market. There's been a lot of uh, uh, sideways talk about him. So it would have just been nice to have a, a chance to show up and prove himself during testing as uh, not, not as an elite driver, because no one can really show up and prove themselves during testing right now. This is really just like making sure there are no bugs in the cars, but obviously with Alpha, there were just an unbelievable amount of bugs. <laughs> um, so mm. Uh, I just feel bad for for them, um, for both drivers and the manufacturer. Right? It's it's tough to see a manufacturer get a potential world champion to helm their team and then not be able to give him a car that he can get more than sixty laps in. I think he got less less than sixty for testing, which is it's tragic. So yeah. Well, I think yeah. we'll 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 see. We'll get a better sense of of. Botas's metal, I think, seeing how yeah. he how he does with this team. Um, he, super superfluous sort of thing. But uh, did you see any of the helmet uh, reveals? Um, Guan Yu Zhou's uh, helmet, I thought, was pretty notable. Uh, nor- normally, I don't track this sort of thing. The like, you know, ooh, what what colors are they going to wear on their head this year? Yeah, I um, but I, I thought little like whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought this was kind of beautiful. Um, and there were a couple other things that I didn't pick up on immediately. But as his helmet has this beautiful pattern on the top, this really traditional Chinese pattern that looks like it would be on uh, ceramic pottery um, it does yeah sort of like uh staining but if i've also heard it mentioned that the purple 
and yellow is a nod to the Lakers. And because uh, I, oh, I know snap. he's, oh. you, he's you, a you huge right. basketball yeah. fan. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, big, big old Lakers fan here, too. So I didn't I was looking at like the purple and gold and being like, is this kind of like these are like Lakers colors a little bit like I mean, it's it is purple and yellow, so it's not quite, but it does have that feel uh and then also him rocking uh that that number 24 is is a yep. is a pretty cool thing to see too uh if he's uh if he's throwing a nod to the lakers then that's that's uh, cool to see yeah i'm uh, pretty sure that's that's intentional uh uh my understanding is he's a he's a pretty notable uh nba junkie so i thought that uh, was uh i thought that was a fun touch I, i'm, I'm that's always cool. i'm always down for a little bit of that um what yeah, else yeah. uh what what else did we see at at testing this week uh, so we saw this Red Bull show up. Um, I mean, we just we I, I want to talk about this thing because they did. I mean, we we talked some smack uh, in that first episode where we were talking about the reveal of the Red Bull, and it was basically just the show car uh, with with uh, <laughs> a quote unquote new livery on it, which is just the same livery Red Bulls always run. Um, so it was. It was really interesting to see that Adrian Newey's team, I don't want to put all of the onus on him because he's not the only person who designs these cars. He's like, people want to give him too much credit, I think, when there are people who have studied alongside him and are doing great work too. But of course, this is a bit, you know, it was an Adrian Newey design school of like just finding all these different uh, little uh, tricks along uh, those side pods and just the inlets uh, of the side pods with this like waterfall scoop, uh, almost like a, a wing on the on the tip of these side pods, which looks like it's going to funnel some air down to that floor, which is what everyone needs. Um, and it was just really cool to see what this car looked like uh, and just the uniqueness of all the different setups not just with the side pods but with those like mid-floor designs and the inlets to the venturi tunnels it is really really cool to see what a lot of these teams are doing and most specifically it's really amazing to see what uh what what adrian newey is uh is putting out there sorry we're just looking at some amazing images here on the screen um some of them uh very f1 related some like tangentially f1 related uh but uh but yeah there's there's some some really cool looking stuff on that car um what about you john what did you what did you pick up from it what what impressed you the most um so i mean to me the the biggest takeaway from what we saw in testing uh or what i took as the biggest story of testing was this radical phenomena that we saw on almost every car on the grid uh, I believe, except for the McLaren, the McLaren was the only car that that was able to avoid the phenomena of porpoising. Uh, yes, yes. The... So, so there's. There, I think the best image that I saw was of uh, Charles Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari coming down the straight and at a at a certain speed. Uh, yeah. my, my understanding of this, and you, you, you probably process this better than I do, but there's effectively a battle or a trade-off that's happening between the arrow uh, above the car and below the car. And that yeah. the, the, the rear wing is shoving the car down into the ground, which compresses the really advanced arrow that's happening underneath the car. And I mean, to anyone that's not deep into this stuff, the arrow underneath the car, we always think of the, the aerodynamics of the car being this upper surface and seeing how, how the air moves across the wings and the nose and, and certainly the rear wing, the most dominant aerodynamic mm -hmm. component of the vehicle. Um, but it, a, it really is the way that the air moves underneath the car is the most advantageous or the most important air to control when they're engineering yeah. this vehicle. And so there's these intense channels built into the underside of all of the new cars. Um, these, you know, vast tunnels. It's a, it's a, a, to me, a surprisingly large volume of space underneath the car that is sculpted yeah. out 
for the air to flow through. And so the, the, when the vehicle, when the air is hitting that rear wing and pressing the vehicle down into the pavement, as it's intended to do, there's a, a, an extra compression to the air that is in this large volume underneath the car that can't really be sustained. And it, and the car wants to actually lift back up and then it's immediately met with a response from the rear rear wing, shoving it back down. And what you get is a car that is hopping up and down at speed. And, and, and on many of the cars, it was, it was more like a subtle vibration, but the, the Ferrari, it was, I saw numerous memes with, you know, still DRE playing in the background as it's going down the straightaway, looking like it is just like hopping up and down. And more than anything, you see Charles Leclerc's head. It looks like he's his, his helmet is bouncing up and down. It's got to be an unbelievably, I mean, obviously a huge safety concern within the, within the vehicle, but I mean, it's got to be so uncomfortable to sort of control or manage that, that experience as the driver. Yeah. I mean, that's something that like I hadn't really even considered. (laughs) It's uh, uh, of course I'm like, Oh yeah, the car, uh, the car is suffering so much, but then just the driver themselves, they can't, train for that kind of uh of vertical g-load um uh which is just like them being squished down into the ground and popping back up and squishing down uh so the the cars um themselves yeah it's 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 an issue with the changing air pressures in those tunnels under the car basically the the those tunnels when before this year it was much more consistent with the airflow and they had this outwashing effect uh, from the wings above the car that basically would seal the underside of the vehicle so that there would be no disruption of the air whatsoever. And the cars uh, were at a certain rake, uh, which basically means that the, the nose of the car was, was pressed down uh, more so than the rear of the car. I mean, you see this in some like muscle cars where you've got these giant back wheels and those tiny front wheels uh, just to give like a better, that's not what it looks like on an F1 car, but it that's the best representation of rake. And this year they've eliminated that basically. So the cars are almost no rake cars. So these these air pressures under the, the vehicle um, they're sucking the car to the ground in a much more consistent way from front to back. So when you do have these weird pressures and these loads happening from the top of the car, it basically pushes the car into the ground, like you were saying, and it disrupts this bubble under the car. And it's literally like if, if you had like a, like, like, uh, like a parachute, like the parachute game, it's like the rippling of the parachute is happening under that car. So just think of not, not like a, not like dropping with a parachute, but like almost like holding a sheet in your hand and sending a wave through it. And the way, you know, the wave creates a counter wave, which creates the next wave. And you just get that. Yeah. That, that turbulence. And it's like it's. I mean, you can also see it's, uh, if you're if you scroll Instagram at all, you'll see these people who are on these floating docks, uh, and you'll see a wave pass underneath them, and they'll try to stand on the dock. That's basically what these cars are trying to do: is they're trying to maintain the same the same exact amount of space, which is negligible. I mean, we're talking millimeters worth of space under those cars uh, that that clear the ground. So when the air changes under there, it does change the car itself. And not only is it changing uh, the, the, the way that the car suspension plays and that the car uh, moves up and down kind of in this pocket, but sometimes this porpoising effect has been so severe that it's literally slamming the rear of the car back down and causing literal holes to develop in the floor of the car. So not only is it a problem in these straights, uh, or at the end of the straights when these cars are going very fast and experiencing the porpoising, but immediately after they leave those straights, they then have to use those channels under the floor to keep the car stuck to the ground when it's going around a corner. So it's not just an issue of losing the, the pressure and regaining it. It's what damage happens to the car itself when this porpoising mm. effect happens. So these teams are frantically, 
frantically trying to get a hold of this. I mean, you saw like them literally cutting out holes in the sides of the floors um, where it's like you never see the the. You never see these angles and these severe cutouts happen. They usually look so graceful and so perfectly sculpted. But it was literally like engineers and mechanics getting in there with Dremel machines and just carving out carbon fiber to try to disrupt that porpoising effect. So uh, that that's going to yeah, be I mean, a big problem. Yeah, yeah. My, my understanding is, you know, everyone's confident that they'll have a handle on this and that this will be something that can be sorted. I mean, I have to imagine that this is like for when Adrian Newey looks out and sees this happening, he's not like stricken with panic of like, oh, no, no what will we do? He's just like, ooh, a, you know, a fascinating um, yeah. anomaly of uh, exactly a puzzle is, to, to solve. This, yeah, this will yeah. be fun. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be excited to see uh, the cars not uh violently bouncing up and that is kind of exciting exciting they should have one car that 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 is doing it just <laughs> intentionally or it's just well, like pull the pole sitter has to have a a, a porpoising a porpoise, car yeah. by default yeah. um yeah. just to just to um, see how it goes I'll, I'll i'll put that which, into the category of wacky sprint uh hey, concepts but here's the thing is yes we when the next round of testing happens it happens at bahrain the week before the first grand prix so most of these teams will have that sorted out but let's talk about this third team that kind of showed itself which is alpine i mean i am i want to speak very carefully because i am in the home country of of <laughs> renault and alpine but i am concerned for those folks uh they could not even run with the the rear wing at full strength so they mm -hmm. uh, every if if you're new to the sport uh there's a, a new thing that has kind of entered f1 over the past couple of years which is the drs system it's the drag reduction system where the the rear wing will basically articulate uh, at like, I don't even know the, the actual degrees, but it opens up basically like a slot to uh, alleviate some of the drag in the back of the car, which is why we're getting these cars slamming into the ground because all of a sudden that drag uh, is released and those cars are like, they just take off. Um, so Alpine was not able to run with DRS at all during testing. They just literally did not use the system. So when they show up to Bahrain, hopefully they will not be behind and they will not be experiencing kind of some of the issues that the other <laughs> teams, these other nine teams dealt with uh, and had to rectify after running their cars uh, in anger uh, at testing because Alpine just has been trailing in such a, a, a terrifying way. Uh, and we had talked about this before where Alpine had kind of, had to go back to the basics and back to the drawing board almost a year and a half into development. And that might be what this is. It might be what's happening. They're also dealing with like a new engine setup. They're now dealing with uh, a split turbo system, which is basically the turbo sits at the front and the back of the engine uh, and uses the engine in order to uh, uh, space out the cooling and allow those turbos to function uh, at, at, the proper rate uh and alpine has never run the split turbo before so they're going to have to deal with not only new reliability issues with almost a brand new engine setup they're the only people it's renault alpine is renault they are the only people who make these engines so they have no data they have no idea what this engine's going to do when it's set doing 50 to 80 laps in a grand prix they just don't know if this thing is going to hold up and also they have this huge issue with aerodynamics they may not have a car that functions aerodynamically once they get to testing in bahrain i, I hope that's not the case but it's hard not to speculate that that's going to be a, a big issue for them um when they're going to be playing catch-up um uh, especially Alonzo had its car, <laughs> the cooling system failed, which is like, that's a reliability issue. That's a, 
it's it's cold out. It's not even hot, and the engine is is getting I mean, too hot. So it, it it was obvious that they would be in a rough situation, if only because yeah. this is the team that uh, one of the greatest drivers of the modern age, Fernando Alonso, is uh, stuck with, and yeah. he is he has just been cursed for. <sighs> Yeah, uh, you know the 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 most recent generation of Formula One. He is kind of moved from one hobbled team to another that are you know, and and I give him a huge amount of credit for sticking with it and still you know pushing through. And and you know we got a chance to see an incredible performance from him last season. Yeah, uh, but but just to to tough it out, you know he's uh, he's got a huge amount of heart to just kind of roll with these punches and not throw his team under the bus or or anything like that. Which is kind of what we saw him do when. McLaren and Honda were partnered. Yeah. There's a yeah. big reason why Honda uh, left the sport, and uh, it was Fernando Alonso. I mean, he he trash talked them in, in, in almost in public ways. Uh, not almost. I mean, he did. He he. Yeah. Well, what was he saying? He was saying like, you know, we're we're out here in a Formula Two car. Uh, you know, is yeah, uh, is pretty yeah, pretty, pretty rugged. Um, and they, I mean, Honda is not. They're not. They're they're great. Honda is a great engine manufacturer, and they've proven themselves. And they're you know they they even got back into F one sneakily with uh, with this Red Bull powertrain uh, uh, system. Uh, so they're, they're sticking around and they've been around. I mean, they've been a huge partner. Uh, it's the reason why we have a, a Grand Prix in Japan is because of Honda. Uh, the Japanese mm-hmm. Grand Prix would not exist if Honda was not a major part of F1 and didn't have like a pedigree uh, within F1. So, uh, I mean, it's just I feel bad for Alonzo, but also he is not great at keeping his mouth shut when things are going sideways. Uh, and I get it, but I mean, people are like, he's passionate. He's a Spaniard. Like that's, I, that, I, that's not fair. Um, uh, I, I think he's, I think he's just in like in, in the sport of formula one, Fernando's an elderly man and he's in that, yeah. you know, no, yeah. no fuss <laughs> left to give stage of his career. Yeah. Which is, yeah. which is absolutely lovely. Um, it is fun to watch. It is as a fan of the sport, as a fan of, of, of Alonzo. Uh, I mean, it's great. I mean, watching without Alonzo, we wouldn't have maybe one of the most amazing moments from the 2021 20, season, which was him literally in an interview while Max Verstappen was pulling off one of the greatest qualifying laps to ever happen uh, mm-hmm. in Formula One, which he did not finish because he was... I mean, there's a razor's edge and then there's like, I don't even know what the next uh, edge is, but that's what Max was on, uh, on this lap. And literally Fernando is like watching the lap wall, giving an interview and uh, folks, you should look this up. It's some of the most amazing reaction, uh, uh, formula one reactions that you will ever see in the sport. Especially because these guys are always so chill. There's nothing gets them impressed about you know any of the stuff that they're seeing their their colleagues do and he was he was beside himself yeah it's that's one one for the ages for sure exactly like it felt like i was what like it was like oh that's if someone was trying to interview me and i was watching a lap i would be doing the same thing and i'm maybe the worst at like (laughs) holding back (laughs) my emotional responses but i was like oh my god i can't believe this guy is actually reacting this way um i mean everyone like he literally like i think someone was like standing next to him and he like like also doing an interview and he like grabbed them was like oh like in the middle of the interview Mm -hmm. it was was incredible um so So, i I feel bad yeah but but you know all right so so we've got some other big stuff that's been happening in the yeah. in the the world in general, and of course affecting <sighs> the world of of F one. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on from what we saw in our first uh, few days of testing before we turn the corner um, to some some fluffier things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's um, uh, just just real quick. Uh, Mercedes is doing what Mercedes does, which is downplay 
everything. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas Red Bull does this like pageantry and like, look over here. Uh, Mercedes does this like supremely like British thing, which is just like, oh no, very good. We're good. Everything's, everyone's wonderful. You're all wonderful. And by the end of testing, they showed like just little flickers uh, of flair with Russell putting in amazing laps on day two and then Hamilton just absolutely dominating um, uh, on that day three in those final runs. Um, But I'd say the hottest of hot dogs is what I called way back when Ferrari is looking amazing. Ferrari is, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I really Carlos's year. This is Carlos's year. I think Charles, uh, uh, God bless you. You're amazing. You are wonderful. You've put Ferrari on your back. Eh. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he's a darling. Charles is a darling, and I don't mean to dismiss him, but Carlos is showing so much pace and playing with poise and just doing everything that a world champion, a potential world champion does. And he's just, he put in amazing times. He kept his mouth shut. He was uh, enamored with some of the other cars that were out there. He was really impressed. He like kept it together. I just think that Carlos is, He's that he is going to be the dark horse. No one is going to expect it except me. Uh, and you know, uh, uh, literally like millions of Tifosi, uh, um, which uh, Tifosi, uh, this may this is potentially a new term, uh, to people that uh, that are that are kind of newish to the sport or 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 more uh, US based, but that's basically just uh, Italian Ferrari race fans. They're Italian Ferrari F1 fans are called the Tifosi, and they know what's up. And I think we all need to really take stock of what we just saw. Um, they put in the most consistent laps. They were dealing with the porpoising, right? But then by the end of testing, they were looking pretty good after a week of testing and dealing with some of the most adverse oscillations that we saw uh, in these cars. So I think Ferrari is, mm, oh, wow. As long as their drivers haven't suffered like severe brain bleeding from the porpoising, from the violent bouncing up and down uh um, yeah, love, it'll be maybe it was like the ghost of enzo ferrari coming in and being like i still need to hurt my drivers somehow yeah, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i need to make sure they experience trauma uh they can't just be great and get good cars they need to be like scared for their lives too um uh yeah but i i think ferrari looked really really good and looks wise what did you think of the McLaren? What did you uh, just like visually? What 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 did just? I mean, McLaren looked very very good too. But like, I, I love what that papaya looks like in the sun. I do. It uh it, it it looks it looks nice to me. Um, I do like the the way that they're working with that you know papaya and the sort of powder blue and mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's looking good. I'm excited to see what we've got coming down the pipes. And I think McLaren's a a really fascinating team to, to watch. Um, And we've Mm -hmm. got two really fascinating drivers there. Um, Yeah. You know, and just like, and just, (laughs) so I saw, I saw a meme uh, that it was uh, there, Bert and Ernie. um, uh, And it is (laughs) so accurate. It is like the most accurate. Um, (laughs) uh, It was great. Um, I think uh, that that was on F1 Troll or or F1 Madness, maybe. Uh, But yeah, those two drivers, they could not be more different. Um, But like, they get along in this like such a delightful way. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. just Danny. Uh, Ricardo is just. I mean, I fucking love watching that guy. I love watching him in the sport. I love uh, the corniness when he shows up to Texas. Uh, he's such like an American. Uh, he's so obsessed with U.S. culture that when he like shows up to race, I can't wait to see what he looks like in Miami. Like he's probably gonna come in like some floral shirt, like unbuttoned. Oh, he'll be he'll be chest. going full Miami Vice. I uh, can't you know, wait to see what I he looks like. I I would uh, like to think that the McLaren team would allow him to drive up to 
the track in a white Testarossa, you know, it, uh, he has to, he has to show up like as like uh Don Johnson out as possible. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, yep. uh, but, um, but yeah, McLaren's looking, looking pretty tasty and, uh, and, and the drivers, I mean, they are spicy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's touch on the the heavy stuff that's been unfolding this week uh, in in F1. As we record this, we're uh, I don't know, we're like four or five days into the uh, the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, we're seeing, you know, this is having a huge impact on, uh, uh, everyone's attention across the globe. And I think I'm, I'm relieved to see that formula one, a sport that has a pretty spotty history of dealing with, uh, you know, awful politics in, in certain locations around the globe and just sort of chasing. Let's, let's say not dealing with awful politics it's it, yeah. they're, they're really good at not dealing with it and just being like we're just here to race we just want to put on a good show for the people and it's like well the people who allow you to put those shows on are awful awful people <laughs> um uh so that is that's definitely something as someone who has watched a race um in abu dhabi uh i have seen firsthand what that looks like um and also what is hidden from the spectator and what is not hidden from the spectator uh what takes place in these cities in these countries that uh, are are shielded that are uh, that the f1 cameras are shielded from uh there are some pretty awful stuff uh surrounding these races so just seeing that they're willing not only to address it but also to take actual financial action um but i I, and i know this is like our own little like corner of the world john that like we're we're like i i mean i I felt so guilty um in like deriving pleasure from watching f1 actually stand for something um that i was like oh this is i should this is the first time i've like really looked at like sport as like a way to be like hey look they're actually doing the right thing we should maybe Mm -hmm. like follow their lead um yeah they've 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 basically they've suspended they released a statement um uh, a press statement across uh all forms of media saying that they will not race in russia uh, at the Russian Grand Prix in Sochi, um, they will not be holding that race under current conditions. And I know that that is like, yeah, it's leaving, leaving a little door open. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I guess if the Russians retreat, uh, they'll hold it. I don't, I like, I don't, yeah, mm, I um, like they're not refunding tickets yet for it. So like, they're still, holding out hope that Russia is going to do something right to allow them to uh, hold this race um, because it's a billion dollar industry. Uh, Each one of these races are billion dollar industries all by themselves. So I know that F1 is really hesitant to do anything, but them coming out and saying that they're not going to hold the race while Russia is involved in a literal one-sided invasion of one of their neighbors, uh, that is that is great. Um, it was really impressive to me, and I and I, I kind of like patted myself on the back as an F one fan to be like, look at, I'm actually proud of like the governing body and the sport itself for doing what's right, which is like, no, don't have a race in the country. Don't do what the Olympics did in Berlin when Hitler was uh, spreading out into Europe. Don't just give these people. Uh, a free pass to say, look, we're good. We are international. We care uh, because that's clearly not what's happening in Russia. Um, and then also more importantly, more specifically, we have Haas. Haas is in quite the pickle, John. What have, what have you noticed uh, about that situation? All right. So they're in a, they're in a real tough spot. They're, yeah. uh, their gentleman driver, their pay driver, <laughs> Nikita Mazepin. I also uh, hate that that is like literally the term that is used because yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 
a pay, he's a, he's a paid driver. So he's just a yeah. gentleman racer. Whatever. He, it's uh, <laughs> we'll, we, yeah, we'll, we'll have to, maybe at some point in the future, we could take a dive into the whole world of what that, that, that whole concept of gentleman racer. Cause I think there's some sort of fascinating aspects to it, but it's mm-hmm. also, it seems like such a, such a, clownish way of uh uh you know having that be a part of you know the one of the highest forms of sport in the world uh so yeah. uh uh Mazepin, uh his father really close with Putin. Yep. he was uh, really really tight with him literally uh photographed in that group that met in the Kremlin with Putin three days in. So literally two days ago, um, Mazepin's father is literally in the same room with Vladimir Putin talks, trying to strategize about this invasion. So and yeah, I'd say that's, at a, the, that's a pretty close tie. <laughs> a very, very close tie. Um, and his, his father's uh, company, uh, y- Yurokali, <laughs> which I don't, I, I don't think I even know. This is like another one of the infinite mystery sponsors of Formula One. Um, they are yeah. the title sponsor for the Haas team. That is why Haas's uh, color scheme on their car, although there are the colors red and white and blue and on blue there, on they they appear in a very Russian formation on the Quite vehicle. literally the Russian flag uh, leads that car. I mean, it is the blue, white, and red. If you look at the Haas's livery uh, from the first day of testing and all of last year, they are a Russian team. They have Russian colors, uh, a Russian driver, a Russian-backed title sponsor. I think they have one other sponsor other than Haas, which is one in one. I don't know what one in one is. Um, one in one is a uh, that's that's a sponsor that I know. They uh, I I get my own web domain domain through one and one. Uh, okay. So it's so, like I guess it's a, an alternative to GoDaddy because oh, I mean. Wow. In case, in case you didn't want <laughs> to Jeez. spend money on a company called GoDaddy. Uh, all right. So, um, <laughs> so Haas, uh, Haas, you know, took a big gulp and said, we're peeling all the Ural Kali, uh, decals off the car. We are going yep. to lose them as a sponsor. I think everyone's 60% to 80% expecting that uh, Mazepin is going to get the axe in the well, next week or two. Of, part of this is because of what Russia is doing, part of the sanctions against citizens of Russia are they're going to revoke all their travel visas. Uh, and Mazepin cannot race in, I think it's 20 or 21 of the 22 races that are happening, he needs a visa. So he's no longer eligible to be a racer. And we've got an amazing uh, reserve driver uh, uh, who, who is Pietro and he deserves to be in F1 way more than Mazepin. I mean, way more um, uh, for a multitude of reasons, not just the, the, his, he's not, he's not like a, a gentleman driver. He's actually come up through the ranks uh, of karting and he's part of the Fittipaldi uh, legacy. I mean, um, uh, and he's not like uh, a lesser, uh, a lesser, more diluted version of a Fittipaldi. He's the mm-hmm. real deal. I mean, which is so rare that you get these um these generational uh uh folks in in these cars which would be so cool to see a fittipaldi and a schumacher driving as teammates yeah i mean just that oh i mean also i feel so bad about mick i mean he does not deserve i felt bad when he was partnered with mazapin last year but now this year it's like get get him a new partner get him someone who is an upstanding person. I mean, if you look at Michael and his history and the way he raised his child, uh, his children, rather, he raised them to be good, empathetic people who are world citizens and care about everyone and everything, and especially F1 and the sanctity of that motorsport. So to be partnered with someone whose daddy owns a mining company and is best friends with Vladimir Putin, that, I mean, 
you can't have a bigger mismatch of teammates, you know? All right. So what this though means is that financially uh, Haas is having like three wheels removed from their car and are going to yeah. need to find a way to get them back on. What, like, well, what I, are- I actually, I, I heard, um, I was listening to, I think Scott Mitchell uh, made mention of this um, uh, on, uh, on another podcast that we're not going to name check here. Cause we don't want you going and listening to that one. Um, but uh <laughs> But he was saying that um, that uh, uh, Ural Kali uh, is only a twenty percent stakeholder in Haas, uh, so it's not. It would be. It, it seems like it might be more of removing one wheel instead of three wheels, which also that's good. That's good. good. Yeah, it's it's not much better. Um, uh, you do need all four wheels, as we just said, with the porpoising effect. You need. Uh, they, 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 you need like maybe five wheels, like an extra wheel underneath the friggin' chassis. I don't know. So, I've seen I've seen Dr. Dre go on three wheels. This is true. This is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's, there's been, I think a lot of people were quick to jump to something that we talked about last week, which yeah. was the idea of Andretti is coming into the sport hard, wanting yeah. to get a piece of, of uh, wanting, wanting to have a proper team on the grid. And it sounded almost as though the FIA were making it difficult for them. And is yeah. this an area where uh, the the Andretti's come in and grab a, a hold of this team now. Uh, I hope my, so. <laughs> so I've also heard that this is not necessarily a new idea, and that the Andretti's have apparently made several moves over the past few years. To uh, my my understanding is that they don't want a piece of Haas. They want to, they want the whole thing. They want to buy Haas out completely. And Haas is not, is not ready for that and is not, you know, has not been open to that. Now, obviously this could be a a bigger predicament for them and maybe it could lead that way. But my understanding is that the Andretti initiative, they've been doubling down or they've been getting all sorts of signals out there to say, you better understand we're not messing around with this. We have an enormous war chest that we have yeah. been preparing for this. And we're, you know, we're not looking for a team that's on clearance. We're looking to just come in and and do it all from the ground up ourselves if we yeah. have to. And we'll we'll yeah. see you, we'll see you guys on the grid. So um that to me leaves us with still a big uh, you know, a giant gap for for Haas. Uh I, I would like yeah. to think that it's an opportunity for a major American powerhouse brand of some kind to step in and get in, get involved. But, uh, there's no, there's no clear signals. And I have to imagine that that's not something that comes together over the course of, you know, two or three race weekends. That's a a pretty, pretty big deal that needs to be put together. Um, and I, and I believe, uh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's, it's that thing where, um, Haas has this, like, uh, this deep, deep uh, uh, pride with their racing um, with their racing team. Uh, I get that. I fully understand that they, that's, that's, that's Gene Haas. That's like a bootstrapped operation uh, more or less um, where they've showed up in America and are great at, uh, at racing um, in American series. So I can see why they would want to, kind of maintain this like uh, kind of their um, autonomy in, in the formula one world too. But if we look at what happened with Williams, um, if you look at what happened with, uh, with force India, right? Like these teams in the middle of the season, force India went into administration, right? Like they weren't paying their drivers. So people, so they literally had someone uh, swoop in um, uh, a giant money man um, in, in, in Lawrence Stroll swooped in and was able to, uh, to basically purchase them and turn them into Aston Martin. Right. Um, Same with, with, with Doralton Capital, where they basically purchased Williams 
and began running Williams as Williams, but it was Doralton Capital. It was a private equity hedge fund that was running a Formula One team. Uh, so it, it's this, it, I, I'm, I'm, I hope that there isn't this like, this thing that we have in the States where it's like, we have this like pride where we think that we are like, we, we can do it on our own, right? Like I, I really hope that Haas shows some humility and goes, hey, this is a racing pedigree. Maybe we should like join forces, right? Um, and really show the world what's up, that Americans are serious about racing. We have great talent here in this country. We have great uh, um support and we have a fan base right we have these teams that can come from nascar that can come from indycar and really make a statement and show up in formula one if they partner with the right people i think that that's the deeper into this season we get i think that that's what we're going to see and i think that steiner uh is is that guy who will turn who will make the adjustment Right. Like he made the adjustment um, when when Haas was really, really floundering and had to take on Mazepin. Right. Like like he didn't want to do that. Um, I, I know he didn't want to do that. He is a wildly prideful Alsatian man and, and wants nothing to do with like dirty Russian money. <laughs> but yeah, he made the adjustment. He, right. Um, he is. So I feel like. Him. I feel like Steiner is just a pain magnet. I feel like he is yeah. always like he looks like a, a, a big old bottle of Pepto-Bismol at all times. <laughs> he is he, he is always like I, I feel like I've never seen an interview with him where there's not somebody that's trying to be like, well, let's get to the bottom of some very difficult to discuss subjects, Gunther. And yeah. he's and and he chews it up and he he uh, you know, fights his way through it. And I, I give him a lot of credit for that. And he's, he's certainly kind of becoming <laughs> one of the more interesting personalities on the grid for sure. Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely, if you can find it, I, I don't know the handle, but there is a, uh, like a Gunther Steiner, um, uh, mean, uh, like response, uh, account on Twitter where it's basically in the voice of Gunther Steiner. Um, and it's very funny and Gunther knows about it and appreciates it. Which is <laughs> like, um, he's got such like a, a, a wonderful personality, uh, um, when the cameras are on uh but also there's like absolutely uh stories of him he's literally like he breaks door like he like freaks out when, yeah. when the cameras are not on and yeah you could see why it's because like every single person who puts a camera on uh on him and puts a mic in his face is like hey why don't you just betray all of the people who work for you why don't you just yeah. throw them under the bus and tell <laughs> us that they're all a bunch of shitheads and that you uh you struggle every day to come into work like of course i would like okay thank you so much for your time leave the room and then just you'd hear like the muffled from the other room but in like that like <laughs> thick thick german accent or alsatian accent i guess um that's oh, that's amazing if we can if we can make uh that a reoccurring segment on the show the gunther flipping out <laughs> one room away uh i i think that would be that would be amazing uh, yeah uh, i, I uh, truly, I just think of him as uh, uh, shaking. Um, oh God, I get to do my 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 Steiner impression here. Um, uh, uh, shaking uh, Nikita Masvidal uh, by by his shoulders with a uh, oh, who is your hasi and what does he do? Um, mm-hmm. Like I would love to, I would love to to hear and see him just like laying into every person uh, who works for him and then having to like immediately turn to the camera and being like, oh, uh, I didn't hear you come in. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I um, mean, Gunther, Gunther's got to be at least, re- like with all the hot water or just the challenges that he's facing, he has to be to some extent relishing the idea of just being like, uh, Nikita, you're, uh, you know, there's a, there's a cardboard box uh, on the other side of the room. If you would mind uh, picking that up and putting all your belongings in it, and then we're Just, never uh, going to see you ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
I genuinely love, I mean, uh, uh, not to, I, I mean, I don't care. I'll hate on Nikita as much as, uh, as much as I want. I'm not going to apologize for it. I want to see him shamed out of this sport. Uh, he is uh, a bad person. Um, his entry into the sport was racked with controversy because he's literally groping a woman on film uh, and then like laughing about it and making her um, uh, say or making um, uh, uh, forcing. Yeah, no, I'll say it. Yeah. Forcing her to be like, it's okay. We're friends. He does it all the time. Like that's awful. And that's the way he showed Mm -hmm. up in the sport. So I would. Yeah, that was, that was his entry. That was like three weeks before his, uh, his first time popping up on the grid. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a mess. Good riddance will be good to, uh, move the sport ahead without him. Assuming that we do, there's no official word on this yet, but I think, uh, we're, we're, getting increasingly confident that that's the trajectory that things are headed but, on. But so Gunther did Gunther is on record. Now he is fully on record being like, if something were to happen where Nikita was not able to race with us, we are absolutely going to look at Pietro Fittipaldi. And like, that was so cool to like, just hear him straight shoot like that because he always does have to dance around stuff like this. So uh, yeah, good riddance. Um, I agree. Good riddance. To, maybe to, maybe to next AC. week, maybe next week we can celebrate, you know, Nikita getting the Thanos snap uh, oh. once it's made made official. And we can we can use that to, uh, you know, we can we then celebrate in the ashes of uh, Nikita and move on. Nice? And... Yeah. We'll <laughs> twirling around in the ashes of uh, uh, Thanos snapped uh, Nikita Mazepin. Um, Perfect. I, I love it. So, uh, so next, next week, this coming week, uh, we are, um, kind of in a lull, right? We don't have much going on, um, uh, until, uh, the following weekend, which is the Bahrain testing. So all the teams are scurrying back to their, uh, data centers and their wind tunnels and, uh, their, um, computer generated models and alien, uh, technology and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> infused, uh, facilities. Uh, in order to like sort out all this porpoising and sort out some of the uh, the, the little bugs that they discovered uh, in in Barcelona, and I think we're gonna get to really see what these cars look like um, in probably those first two days of testing at Bahrain. Uh, I think maybe day two in Bahrain we're gonna really see the pace of what uh, of these cars, um, and hopefully there won't be a large spread. Hopefully we'll get like a, a tight field. Um, uh, and we'll get more of, I think, uh, Leclerc was on record of saying, yeah, I was following a car at speed and I was able to follow. Uh, there is a a certain part that is like trickier to follow, but that's, that was pretty much following any car for any amount of time they were struggling. So to have just a pocket of, of difficulty. And then he said, once you get on the bumper of someone's back car, you have uh, someone's bump, someone's rear bumper of a car in front of you. You have no problem following that car when you're within like a few meters, which is that's all we're awesome. gonna see. Oh, yeah, we are gonna see some go kart looking moves this year, and uh, I'm very excited to see what these cars look like when they're all bunched up um, in the fields because they're going to be doing that cool thing where uh, it's like the, 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 the overhead shot of the beginning of Akira where you see the bikes like exchanging uh, positions back and forth. Like, I think we're really going to see a lot of that jockeying for position all up and down. I love it. Would, would love to see it. And then once the guys get up to about 155 miles per hour, the car vertically shakes itself to pieces. And uh, yeah. they're yeah. ejected out of the yep. vehicle, uh, you know, and and have parachutes even somehow, uh, like well, like I'm in hoping- Di- like in Die Hard too. Uh, <laughs> they are, uh, you know, uh, shooting out of a vehicle that is already stationed on the ground, and then parachuting and then like from there parachuting downwards perfectly into the vehicle as it like circles back around and they just like yep. slide right back into it uh, as it comes around the circuit yeah uh hopefully I, I we'll see it. that yep um i guarantee yeah, yeah, i'm sure yeah. it's yeah it's almost certain <laughs> almost certain that's exactly what's going to happen mark mark our words uh, uh Corey, Corey, this has been a blast 
Yes, yes. And uh, I will return uh, to the U.S. in a few days. So uh, we'll be back on home territory, home uh, home turf and uh, and talking about uh, who knows what this coming week. Um, uh, but uh, I'm excited to, to get back into it and to nerd out with you a little bit more. Uh, but hey, folks, um, uh, uh, if we're looking to find you, Johnny, online, where are we finding you? What's your handles? Where you at? Uh, catch up with me on Twitter at Johnny Motion. Uh, that's where that's where I tend to hang out at. Outstanding. And uh, you can catch me at Burn Corey Burn. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I am on uh, Instagram. Uh, again, on TikTok, but no videos up there, really. Uh, maybe just two uh, that have like no views. Um, but also, we got a Twitter handle. Um, uh, it's the F1 Files uh, on Twitter.com, that wonderful website that we're all. Uh, so desperately trying to get off of, but I want you to follow <laughs> us on there and talk to us. Uh, so yeah, um, catch up with us on uh, social media. Uh, but in the meantime, we will see you next time on the F1 Files. <laughs>